I want to look at three passages. Genesis 3, Exodus 28, and 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy chapter 2, and verses 8 through 10. <clears throat> so we look at why we have standards for workers. So that's Genesis 3, Exodus 28, and 1 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Exodus 3, not Exodus 3, Genesis 3. Keep all these straight here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. It says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Then verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Then Exodus 28, uh, verse 1 and 2, says, And take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with, the, with him from among the children of Israel, that, the, that, uh, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even as Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. Thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, notice this, for glory and for beauty. And also verse 40 says again, And for Aaron's sons shalt thou make coats, and thou shalt make them for girdles and bonnets. Thou shalt make them for glory and for beauty. And then the New Testament passage is 1 Timothy chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 8 through 10. This is a familiar, of course, a familiar passage. Says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So the title of the message tonight is simply dressing for the Lord. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity that we have to meet together. Lord, we pray that as we look under your word, as we consider this again uh, controversial subject, uh, Father, help us to see what the word of God says and help us to delight in, in your law. And uh, so, Lord, just, just pray that you speak to our hearts, teach us and instruct us. Challenge us where we need it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I think about, you know, last week I talked about distinction. There's basically, I believe, three areas that we need to consider when you're talking about dress. One is distinction. That is, there are men's garments and women's garments. And we're not to wear each of the other. God wants us to be male and female. He doesn't want us to, you know, to blur the lines of distinction. Um... And so we need to dress for distinction. We looked at that last week. There's also, we ought to set a projection. We ought to project a good image. And so we'll look at projection tonight. And also, God gives us dress standards for our protection. They're fences to protect us. 
So two areas tonight, projection and protection. We're going to look at. First of all, let's look at projection. And I want to go again to uh, where Exodus 28 is why I read that. Where it says there, of course, this is talking about the priest's garments. He says, And take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. And again, verse 40, For Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make for them girdles and bonnets, shalt thou make for them for glory and for beauty. Uh, so, as we consider this, the word glory here means honor or reverence. The word beauty speaks of splendor, talks about of rank, as an attribute to God. That's the idea, as an attribute to God. The word attribute means to consider as a quality or characteristic of the person, thing, or group indicated. So Aaron and his sons were considering the quality or the character of who? God. By their clothing that they wore. So, as we think about that, we ought to indicate by our dress attire the character of God. 2 Samuel 13, 18, speaking of the king's daughter, said, and she had a garment of diverse colors upon her, which with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparel. Uh, this is speaking of... Uh, Tamar, um, Absalom's daughter, and she was a beautiful woman. Uh, but she was dyed or, or, or apparelled with, with garments of diverse colors and so on. Uh, Ezekiel, or not, so I'm sorry, Proverbs 31 22, speaking about the virtuous woman, it says, She maketh herself coverings of tapestry, her clothing is silk and purple. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, Speaking about Israel as a woman, picturing her as a woman, and, and talking about how God clothed her, it says, Thus dost thou decked with gold and silver, and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk and broidered work. Thou dost eat fine flour and honey and oil. Thou wast exceeding beautiful, and thou dost prosper into a kingdom. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. For it was perfect through my comeliness, which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord God. So God pictures here Israel as a woman whom he clothed beautifully. It was not the one, you know, God wants us to dress in a way that indicates the character of God. Now in 1 Timothy 2, verse 9. It uses the word modest, that women, women adorn themselves in modest apparel. And the word modest there, you know, we, when we think of the word modest today, what do you think of? You think of being well covered and, and you know, not revealing certain parts. But that's really not what this word modest here means. It means, according to Strong's, orderly, of good behavior or decently. Now, that decently does kind of give that, that 
little inference of that of being, you know, properly uh, covered. But the word decently means conforming to a recognized standard of propriety, of good taste, respectable or worthy. So as we think about this thought here of projecting a certain image, you know, we are, as God's people, we are representatives of God. We're to represent him to a lost and dying world. Uh, let's look at a couple of passages of scripture here. I'm going to have you turn to them. Second, first start with 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Yeah, so as representatives, we need to project a good image of the character of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Notice, ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Forasmuch as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Now we know that you know, women, a woman's beauty is her meek and quiet spirit. The Bible makes that very clean. But, 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 but that, you know, that spirit will show itself on the outside as well. And you know, as we consider, think about dress, you know, we ought to dress in, in for glory and for beauty, men and women. Um, and, and, you know, we are representatives. I look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So again, we are his representative. Uh, in chapter 11, Verses 1 and 2, chapter 11, 2 Corinthians, verses 1 and 2. He says, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So he, said, you know, he pictures the church at Corinth as a chaste virgin presented to Christ. Now what were the king's... Virgin daughters apparelled with, you know, they were they were uh, garments of divers colors and so on. So garments of beauty. Uh, that's how they were known. That's what they wore. Uh, look also at First Peter, chapter two, verse nine. First Peter, chapter two, and verse nine. <clears throat> First Peter two. Verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, you know, and then 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says this, Whether therefore we eat, or drink, or whatsoever we do. Do all to the glory of God. Would that not include our dress? Well, of course it would. So everything we do, including our dress, ought to glorify God. Now, if you had a salesman show up at your house dressed like me, 
would you say, what would you say about him? By his appearance. How's he look? Professional? Respectable? You honorable? Okay. Give me a second. Now what you say? It's kind of the reaction I figured I'd get. And if a salesman showed up at your house looking like this, that's probably what you do, right? Bad hair day, yeah. How do I look? What do I look like? I look like I'm out of order, don't I? Now, is God a God of No, no. You know, the, the dressed-down look of our society is a reproach to the living God. You know, you know worst thing about this is now I'm not going to look disheveled the rest of the service. <laughs> this is one of those times I don't hope we have visitors. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, I even thought about this. Modern art. Modern art. I don't know how they can call it art. It looks like an accident some kid had with a painting. You know. um, but that's, 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 our, that's our modern society. And the further we get from God, the more of that you're going to see. You see, God is a God of order. God is not the author of confusion. You see, when I come out looking like that, you know, I went... Let me fix this. Uh, we, my wife and I went to 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 uh, to see a guy about some financial things, and and he had he had two different color socks on. And I thought to myself, yeah, this is supposed to be a Christian guy. <clears throat> and I thought to myself, hmm, you know, he looks like he's out of order. Uh no, you see, we are to project a certain image. And, and God on purpose said that the priests were wearing a certain garments. They were to show his glory and his beauty. You know, if you show up, I had a fellow say one, to me one time, uh, you know, I don't wear a, a suit anymore when I go visiting, but I, if I go to the hospital, I wear a tie. And... Uh, Anyway, I, I used to wear a suit and tie when I go visiting. A guy said to me one time, he was there in, in a, uh, a shirt, and I'm not sure it was even a sports shirt, but a shirt and sneakers and jeans. And he said to me, he said, what are you all dressed up for? I said, well, I see it like this. I'm representing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Why should it look like a bum? Now, you don't have to wear a, a tie, and, you know, but you should look respectable. Even those that don't look respectable will respect you if you do. And those who are respectable won't be offended by it. So, so we ought to project a good image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Secondly, God gives us these standards for our protection, for our protection. Notice again, 1 Timothy, go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 9 and 10. In like manner also, you know, the subject really of this passage is prayer. It's talking about, you know, from, from uh, verse 1 all the way to verse 9. Verse 8 talks about prayer, men praying with holy hands. And then if women are going to lift up holy hands, this is something they have to consider. Like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Uh, again, it's not saying that you can't wear gold, you can't wear pearls, or you, you know, it's that's not to be the prominent thing. But he says where to to adorn yourselves in modest apparel. We always say that say, means well arranged or well ordered, uh, well put together. You know, we need to be orderly. You know, let me say something else. You know, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you have to wear something from the seventies. <laughs> Uh, you can be in style as long as it's not indecent or immodest, as we would understand. We're, we're going to look at that word shamefacedness. That's, that's the idea of what we understand as being immodest. Uh, you know, you can be in style. Uh, but anyway, so, <clears throat> but he says, with shamefacedness and sobriety. And the word shamefacedness, according to Thayer's lexicon, means a sense of shame. Uh, Strong's describes it as through the idea of downcast eyes or bashfulness, i.e., towards men. Uh, Richard Trench, in his uh, commentary, said this, the, the shame or sense of honor which hinders one from an unworthy act. So he's talking about here having a sense of shame or embarrassment that keeps you from doing certain things. And the idea here is of wearing certain things. Of wearing certain things. The word is only used one other time, and it's in Hebrews 12, 28, where it says, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So the idea is here, don't wear something, men or women, by the way, which would cause you to blush. Now, Blushing is not near as prevalent as it used to be. We're sort of like Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah said, you know, that, that they, they were not ashamed, neither did they blush, though they committed their abominations before me. And he said he's going to take them all away. But he said it was that there's they're open immorality, and that's where we are in our society. There's open immorality, and there's no shame for it. There's no embarrassment over it. So, so it's a sense of shame. Uh, you know, this sense of shame is an involuntary instinct in morally fallen men and women. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2. Now, in the unfallen state, Adam and Eve were not ashamed of their nakedness. Notice Genesis 2.25. And they were both naked, 
the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So before sin came into give me a picture, before they fell into sin, they were not ashamed of their nakedness. There was no embarrassment. But as soon as they fell, what was the very first thing that they did? Go to chapter 3, verse 7. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So as soon as they fell, they were, you know, covering themselves was instinctive. Hey, we need to cover ourselves up. That was the first reaction. All of a sudden they said, oh, you know, we're naked. They didn't even know that before. Again, this is the, the first recorded result of their awakened conscience. Uh, and and this, is, this happens. You know, when people, well, let's look at an example. Luke chapter 8. Remember the maniac of Gardea? In Luke chapter 8. And uh, verse 27 tells us, gives us a little description of this guy. Luke chapter 8, verse 27 says, And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wear no clothes. You know, there's a relationship between demonism and nakedness. Neither abode in any house but in the, in the tombs. <coughs> Excuse me. But after he got saved, verse 35 tells us, that then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. So again, one of the first things he did was put some clothes on. Put some clothes on. Now, as you think about Adam and Eve, this putting on a, or this making fig leaves, sewing fig leaves and making themselves apron, this is before God seeks them out in the garden. They didn't do that because they heard the voice of God in the garden. No, they did it because they were all of a sudden, they were aware. Their conscience was awakened. And they instinctively made themselves aprons. Loincloth. You know, it kind of reminds me of what the Indians wore, you know. But that wasn't good enough for the Lord. God made, if you go to drop down to verse 21, it says, And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins, and clothe them. Now, so think about it, again, uh, the word coats, there's two things here, coats and clothes. The word coat means tunic, a long shirt-like garment or a robe. Uh, some, one preacher, one preacher says, one thing for certain, God didn't kill squirrels to clothe them. Uh, the word clothes means to wrap around or put on a garment. So, so he made coats of skins and clothe them, and clothe them. <clears throat> so, so God's design then of clothing is to protect us. It's it's like a fence. So the question is, the one I answer tonight: Why is this necessary? Why is it necessary? And I give you three reasons. Number one: Women are attracted by men's physical appearance. Look at Genesis chapter 39. I'll give you two examples. Genesis chapter 39. Now this isn't as prevalent as the opposite. But it is true. 
And I know by experience that it's true. Uh, Genesis 39, verses 6 and 7. I went to public school. That tells you a lot of things. Genesis 39, 6 and 7 says this. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He knew not aught he had save the bread which Joseph did eat, which, which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. That means he was a handsome young man. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. So Potiphar's wife was attracted to Joseph because of his physical appearance. All right, we're to Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, chapter 5. <clears throat> Chapter Song of Solomon 5, verse 10. The bride here is speaking to her husband. She says, My beloved is white and ruddy, the cheapest among 10,000. His head is as the most fine gold. His head, locks are bushy and black as raven. His eyes are the eyes of doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as a bed of spices, as sweet flowers. His lips like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. His hands are as gold rings set with the burl, his belly as a bright ivory overlaid with sapphires, his legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold, his countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars, his mouth is most sweet, yea, he is altogether lovely, this is my beloved and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. So you hear, he, he, what you have here is women are attracted by men's physical appearance. Therefore, we need clothing. Secondly, men with unnatural desires are attracted by other men's physical appearance. Now, it's too bad we need to talk about this, but in our society, this is true. Romans chapter 1 <clears throat> And this isn't, this, by the way, this isn't original with me, uh, somewhere else. But Romans 1, verse 27. <clears throat> says this. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural woman, the use of the woman, burn their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Now, I was trying to, I had, some, I had a, an article somewhere about dress designers. But, uh, but you know, a lot of dress designers are homosexuals. Levi Strauss, this is dated 1992, I clip it out of the sword of the Lord. Says the American Family Association says it's calling for a boycott of Levi Strauss and Company. AFA said that the jeans manufacturer has stopped giving between forty and eighty thousand a year the Boy Scouts of America because the Boy Scouts refused to endorse the homosexual lifestyle. Of course, we know that's changed since then. But Levi Strauss has become one of the first companies in America to aggressively promote the homosexual lifestyle. Said AFA President Donald Wildman. The fact that they would penalize the Boy Scouts because the group refuses to accept openly practicing homosexuals as scoutmasters proves that they are no longer want or desire the business of the overwhelming 
majority of Americans. Uh, Levi Strauss is one of the largest gene manufacturers in the world. A few weeks ago, Levi Strauss announced that they had developed a company policy giving homosexuals special rights. Now they intend to try and pressure the Boy Scouts and others to bow down to their homosexual agenda, and so on and so forth. Um, and they, you know, again, I had an article, but I couldn't seem to find it. Some of their designs are attended, of men's genes, are attended to attract the attention of other men. You know, tight-fitting, the skinny-leg jeans of Justin Bieber. Uh, you know, those, those things aren't necessarily made to attract the attention of women, but other men. They're homosexual designers. So, so again... You know, men with unnatural desires are attracted by other men's physical appearance. And then thirdly, the most common one, because men are strongly attracted to women's physical appearance. Now, of course, this is the most prevalent uh, and the greatest one. Men are strongly attracted to by a woman's physical appearance. And there's many passages of scripture that I could give you you know, Genesis 6-2 tells us that the, the, the sons of men looked at, the, uh, uh, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair. And they took them wives of all which they choose. In other words, they saw that the daughters of men, the ungodly line, the, the, the women there, were very beautiful. And because they were beautiful, hey, hey I want to marry her. So they did. Just remember, favors deceit, feel beauty is vain. The woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Uh, you know, beauty only is skin deep. Of course, ugliness goes to the bone, but but uh, <laughs> but it is only skin deep. So so we need to remember that. But but they did. They married. They married. They married strictly for beauty because these women were fair. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. <clears throat> Verse 11 and 12. I had a bachelor. I, where I got that was an old bachelor that I used to work for. He'd say that all the time. He never got married. And people say, well, why didn't you get married? He said, you know. And then you know, he'd often come off with that. But anyway. Uh, Genesis 12, verse 11 and 12. And it came to pass, when he was come near to Egypt, speaking about Abraham, that he said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife. And they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. So he, Sarah was a very beautiful woman. She had beautiful features. And, and, and so Abraham says, look, when we get to Egypt, you know, this isn't a God-fearing nation. They're going to look at you and say, well, I want her. They're going to kill me. You know, again, it tells us that men are attracted to physical features of a woman. Uh, verse 14 and 15. came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princess also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Uh, and then again, chapter 26, same thing happened to Isaac. Chapter 26, verse 7. 
And the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She is my sister. For he feared to say, She is my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, for she is, was fair to look upon. Um, now, look at all these, but Second Samuel chapter 11, uh, verse, verse 2, and that's a familiar story with David and Bathsheba. And, of course, David saw Bathsheba bathing herself on a rooftop. And, he, and, and the, the Bible says that she was a very beautiful to look upon. So he sent for her. Uh, but look at Esther, chapter 1. Esther, chapter 1. Esther chapter 1, <clears throat> again verse 11. You know, this is the, uh, I hate to say, I don't like the word, but it's stupid command that Hazarus makes. He's half drunk, so you know, that that's kind of explains it. But he says, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the crown royal, to show the people and the princess her beauty, for she was fair to look upon. So he wanted to show off his wife because she was a beautiful woman. Uh, he knew that would please uh, all the men of the place. Um, and then go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse says, But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So, so, so think about it. You know, men are, are strongly attracted to women's appearance. You know, this is true even of the most righteous of men. Remember what Job said in Job 31.1? He said, I have made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? See, even, even Job understood that, that women, that he was attracted to beautiful women. And if he was going to keep himself from desiring beautiful women, he had to make a covenant with his eyes. Clip this out of the paper years ago called The Voice in the Wilderness. It said this, quote, The Catholic Archbishop of Guadalajara, Mexico, has fittingly spoken out. He told women that because of their scanty, promiscuous, provocative clothing, they must take the blame for most rapes and illegitimate babies. He pointed out that such exposure of flesh automatically induced lustful men and that most men took such exposure as an invitation for action. Unquote. Um, an article here out of the Dalen Baptist Temple News says our papers are filled with mystery murders. Women and girls are forced being forced into automobiles and later found in a field or a ditch, raped, beaten, or murdered. Immediately the cry goes out, get the sex killer. 
Get him the chair. Let us stop in a minute and consider who is to blame. Who is the guilty of arousing the beast's nature in the murderer? Why did he do it? The majority of womanhood has, by their semi-nude appearance in public, aroused this beast's nature and invited this lust demon to demand its passion satisfied. Womanhood is inviting these things upon themselves by their indecent and immoral dress. No woman or girl can parade about exposing their bodies to the opposite sex without inviting insult. When a man is brought into court in this day for insulting a woman, it would be well to investigate as to just how dress, decently dressed the woman was at the time of the crime if she were dressed in the so-called sunsuits or other immoral garb. Let her be charged by the court for solicitation as a prostitute or for indecent exposure and sent to jail with a man, for she is guilty, if not so, more so, for dressing to invite such a crime. You remember when the uh, New Year's... Um, the the Muslims over it was it in Paris, uh, Germany. You know, attacked all the women on New Year's. You know what the idea was. You know what they say. They feel it's the way they dress is an invitation. It's an invitation. This uh, this was uh, printed by a guy by the name of Thomas Eves, Sr. says, several weeks ago I visited a youth development center in the state of Tennessee. The facility was very modern except for the guards and high chain link fences. One could envision himself as being a janitor or junior college campus. Entering the outer office, waiting area, and receptionist's office, I came face to face with a bulletin board. One rather bold notice stated in clear language, Visitors must be appropriately dressed. Underwear and bras must be worn, no holder tops, no shorts, no revealing clothing. I commented to our guide about the notice, and he said, quote, Inappropriate clothing causes problems, unquote. Yeah, it does. Sure does. See, God established standards of dress to protect us from sin, from temptation. Again, Matthew 5.28 says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed already adultery already with her already in his heart. Now, Think with me, you know, and, I, and one, of the, one of the things that comes to mind when I read that verse is David and Bathsheba. What was Bathsheba doing on a rooftop bathing herself? You see, there is an attire of an harlot. Go to Proverbs. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 6, verse 25. I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 7, verse 10. It says, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot, unsettled of heart. So, there is an attire of a harlot. And, and when God talks about clothing... You know, he talks about a, you know, uh, uh, coats that completely covered them. And the idea from Scripture 
was neck to the knee. Go to, go to John, John chapter 21. John chapter 21. <clears throat> John 21, verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. Now, when it says here he was naked, I don't believe he was completely naked. But I believe he was naked to the waist. He was uncovered. And he put on his coat. He girded his fisher's coat unto him. For the Bible calls him naked. So as you think about these things that were mentioned, why it's necessary, you know, women are attracted by a man's physical appearance. Their muscles. You know, we used to have boys at school that for certain things, they wore muscle shirts. Some of them needed to add the muscles with the shirts. But, <laughs> but you know, the idea was they called them muscle shirts, and so they wanted to show off their muscles to the girls. Women are attracted to a man's physique. So we need to cover it. We need to cover it. Um... Uh, of course, when it comes to men, you know, or women, we need to cover from the neck to the knee. And, and you know, Isaiah 47, what Isaiah chapter 47 talks about the covering there of the leg. <clears throat> Isaiah 47, Verse 1, come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground, and there is no throne, no daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be tent called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal, uncover thy locks, make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, pass over the rivers. Notice, thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance, and I will not meet thee as a man. So part of the curse or the judgment of God was upon these people. And, you know, when, it, when a nation would conquer another nation, is they'd, they'd uncover them and march them. Why? Because it was a symbol of shame. They were shaming them. And what God's saying is that it's a shame to uncover your nakedness. It's a shame. So, you know, we need to dress in a way to protect us from being a stumbling block to other people. You know, again, this is 
this is mostly, you know, the, the greatest, you know, problem here or issue is with ladies' dress. Uh, thank the Lord for ladies that, that dress modestly. But let me say this also. You know, I've heard this statement. Pants are more modest. Some pants are more modest than dresses. Well, I haven't seen a pair of pants yet that are modest. I've seen some that are ugly, but not modest. When they say that they are more modest, what they mean is they cover more. But they really don't because they show every shape there is. So they're not modest. They're not with shamefacedness. Uh, yeah, there are some dresses that aren't modest, that aren't, don't fit this shamefacedness, you know, miniskirts. What, by the way, what was the message of the miniskirt? Mary Quaint designed the miniskirt, and the message was, I'm ready to go to bed anytime, anyplace. That's what it was. So, so we need to dress to please the Lord. You know, we, we need to delight ourselves in his law. Again, these things are not given to hinder us. They're given to protect us. To be a blessing to us and not a curse. You know, the world has brought themselves upon a curse upon. The, the feminist movement has brought a curse upon themselves. Ladies, do men respect women that dress immodestly? No. No, they do not. And I said this before. You know, a, woman, a woman that's dressed modestly with shamefacedness is, is like, it's a power. It's a power of protection because men will step back and say, oh, that's respectable. And they'll think twice about making any advances. Why? Because the message of your clothing is, I'm not for sale. I am not for sale. So this issue, though many think it's minor, is very important to us as God's people. Again, God wants us to dress for distinction, for projection, and for protection. It'll keep us from sin, from heartache. Might God help us, men and women, to dress to please the Lord and honor him.